Through the years, Oakmont has conducted probably 21 or 22 spirituality retreats at Camp Caraway. We probably had over 200 Oakmonters to participate and attend. If our guest proclaimer today, Dr. Dennis Adams, looks familiar, it might be because you might recognize him as he was leading one of those spirituality retreats for us. He is a spiritual director, but that's probably not the only reason that we called on him to, uh, to lead us that particular year. Our pastor has been quick to call on Dennis to come and to preach in his absence, especially now that he's retired as associate pastor from St. James United Methodist Church, where he served 21 years. His MDiv is from Duke Divinity School, and his DMIN is from Columbia Theological Seminary. His wife, Lee, is here today, as well as his mother, Dennis's mother, who is a resident at Cypress Glen. They have a married daughter, Anna, who lives in uh, Washington, D.C. She and along with her husband both teach uh, theology at two different schools there in the area. Would you join me in giving uh, Dennis Adams a warm Oakmont welcome? Please come. Thank you for allowing me uh, to come and, and to be with you yet again on, on another occasion. It's, it's always a special time uh, for me and for my wife, for our family to, to come and to, to share these times, times with you. Um, Greg contends that he is doing this so that after 40 years of ministry and, and being married, that it gives my wife a chance to get back to her Baptist roots where she belongs anyway. So um, he, he says that's the only reason that he feels like he can ask me. He knows that I've, there's some good input back there somewhere. And uh, so it's, it's a joy for us to, to be here with you today. Um, the text that, that Greg shared with me uh, for that you would be looking at today is in keeping with this theme uh, from, uh, from the, uh, the Old Testament book of, of Proverbs. And uh, it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 12. And um, hear these words, if you will. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My child, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves the one he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. The word of God for us, the people of God, thanks be to God. Well, 
We all have our favorite books of the Bible that we like to read and that we like to study. And no doubt if I ask you what yours were today, we would get a broad spectrum of the books of the Bible that, uh, that you enjoy reading and studying. And I have to admit that the book of Proverbs is not mine. In fact, when Greg said, you'll be speaking from the book of Proverbs, I have to admit my first reaction was, oh no. Why couldn't it be from one of the Gospels? Why, why do they have to be doing this series on, on the Proverbs? It's, admittedly, if it's one that I chose from, it probably wouldn't be the first one that I chose from. And, and that's my problem. That's not the book of Proverbs' problem. But my problem is that at first glance, Proverbs uh, appears to be nothing more than, than random truisms, commonplace cliches. Y you read one of them and you think, well, duh. And apparently I'm, I'm not the only one, though, so I, f I feel like I'm in good company. Perhaps I, I'm not the only one who may have felt that way about Proverbs because, you see, when they were codifying the Old Testament way back before the birth of Christ himself, when they were codifying the Old Testament, many of the first century rabbis had the same problem. They thought that they were just too common and everyday and ordinary to even be included in the scriptures of what we call the Old Testament. But nonetheless, the Holy Spirit, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, thought that they belonged. And so, here we are. And honestly, I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we're here looking at this particular proverb today, and I'm glad I have the opportunity to sit and chew on it for a while. When I don't just read the Proverbs the way I would try to read any other book of the Bible or most of the books of the Bible, maybe except for Leviticus, uh, when I don't just read Proverbs, but when I pick one like this one and I chew on it for a while, I begin to realize that they are much more than just cliches but that Proverbs are what I would call divine everyday wisdom. Divine everyday wisdom. The everyday wisdom that we need to live in holiness as we go about our lives. Proverbs are the intersection. Of, of the divine will and individual human choices and actions. We are created in God's image. And the Proverbs illustrate in very practical everyday ways how we go about embracing that image for ourselves. Jesus as the Christ embodied that everyday wisdom as he walked the face of the earth in Palestine. 
Jesus embodied the wisdom of the Proverbs both as a guide and as an encouragement for us to strive to be and to live as the image of God. And when the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, he is encouraging us to practice this kind of divine everyday wisdom that we read in Proverbs and that we see revealed in Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus embodies this everyday divine wisdom of the Proverbs. And I want to look at three ways that he embodies this proverb that we read today. Trusting God, fearing God, and acknowledging God. First of all, this proverb says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Jesus actualized this kind of wisdom. He affirmed that the preeminent commandment is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus realized his love of the Father through trust. It enabled him to do what the rational mind could not comprehend. On the night of his arrest, Jesus prepared to leave the upper room with these words, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. I do what the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus exchanged his own human insight and wisdom for loving trust of the Father. He understood that the knowledge that he had learned from human beings was compromised by sin and therefore would be faulty and defective. And recall, and, and recall for just a moment his rejection of those temptations in the wilderness how they fit so well with the rest of our everyday wisdom. His love of the Father was what enabled him, and his trust of the Father was what enabled him to set his face towards Jerusalem and to embrace the cross. Note, if you will, that this proverb does not say, trust in the Lord with all of your brain." or all of your intelligence. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Love of God's will leads us to do more than follow the rules for the sake of a reward. It leads us to go and to do things that reason will never understand or accept. It will give you and me the courage to take risks to go beyond where we can see, to go beyond where our culture, and sometimes even beyond where religion tells us to go. That great American novel, Huckleberry Finn, has always illustrated for me 
this kind of trust in a higher wisdom that is born out of divine love. Huck and the slave Jim are on their way down the Mississippi River. Each of them is running from something. Huck is running from the constraints of civilization and Jim is running from slavery. And Huck finds himself caught on the horns of a dilemma. Jim is his friend. And Huck loves him. Because Jim has been there for him. He's had his back. He has helped him out of more than one jam. He has sat beside him when he was sick. He has protected him from danger. And Huck wants what is good for Jim. But society, the laws of the land, and even religion tell Huck that helping him escape is a sin for which he will go to hell. And that he must turn him in. And so Huck writes a letter to Mrs. Watson to, to do just that, to turn him in. But but then, well, Huck tells it better than I can. It was a close place. I took up that letter and I held it in my hand. I was a trembling because I'd got to decide forever betwixt two things. And I knowed it. I studied a minute, sort of holding my breath. And then I says to myself, all right then, I'll go to hell. And I tore it up. It was awful thoughts and awful words, but they were said. And I let them stay said. And I never thought no more about reforming. You see, what Huck teaches us here is this kind of divine wisdom. There is a divine law which God has created in us that is, that is his image. It is an expression of God's image. And all of the commandments put together exist for one reason, to serve that image. And it is called compassion. And when we feel that law at work in us, we must trust God. We must trust the God who put it there. The psalmist tells us, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord's graciousness and mercy and compassion. Do good even when it seems, even when it does not seem expedient, when we can't explain it by the rules, when it flies in the face of popular reason and personal expediency. Because you see, once we trust God with our heart, the soul, the mind, and the body will follow suit. The second piece of divine everyday wisdom that this proverb shares with us is 
fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Early in his ministry, Jesus went to Capernaum. You've heard the story. He healed Peter's mother-in-law and, and the whole town went gaga and they all gathered around, around Peter's mother-in-law's house and, and he, he was there late into the evening healing people until finally Jesus went away to pray by himself. But even then, Peter and the mob searched him out to let him know what a local celebrity he had become. And Jesus' response to them was, I'm leaving, I'm going away. I'm going to other towns to preach the good news of God's kingdom because that is my purpose. Not celebrity. That is my purpose. You see, Jesus knew who he was. He knew what he needed to do, and he knew what threatened to derail that. And that's where his fear kicked in. That's where holy fear kicked in. The fear this proverb is talking about. He left because he was afraid that the celebrity that he was achieving would keep him from becoming something greater, something the Father meant for him to be. He was turning away from evil and turning away from anything that he was afraid would undermine the Father's purpose for him. That's the fear. That's the fear that this proverb is talking about and it is an expression of divine love. It is the fear of losing something we love, the love of something that will make us greater than we can be without it. Jesus acknowledged the Father by doing what he saw the Father doing. Jesus said, truly the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing for whatever he does the Son does likewise. Read the Gospels closely. Watch Jesus closely. And I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will teach you about acknowledging God in all your ways. Acknowledging God is more than saying the words, I believe in God. It is adopting God's purpose for ourselves to be the instrument of blessing. Acknowledging God is striving to live in the image of God that we see revealed in Jesus Christ. And that may well, no, it will mean running headlong out ahead of the rest of the world that is still bound up by its calculated rules. If we do that, the proverb promises God will make our path straight. He does that by giving us his teaching and the example of Jesus to help us to interpret and to practice that teaching and he makes the path straight by forgiving and redeeming the messes that we are bound to make while we are trying to do all of that in good faith.
trust in the Lord. Fear the Lord. Acknowledge the Lord. It will be a healing for you and your flesh and refreshment for your body. How? How does it do that? Does it actually do that? Honestly, don't we know numerous saints who have done just that and their bodies remain broken? So how can this proverb actually promise healing and refreshment? Fear of losing and letting down makes an athlete submit to grueling practice. Fear of, of, of a loved one being hurt is what makes us, uh, what causes us to make monumental sacrifices. Fear of not fulfilling our most cherished dreams is what causes us to sacrifice a, a momentary pleasure and to commit ourselves to the hard work that we don't always enjoy. Fear of, fear of God is love of God and love of God's image in which we are created. We see the model of that image and the model of that fear in Jesus Christ. Fear of God is love that embraces what Jesus teaches and, and causes us to embrace that for ourselves. Fear of God is love that is constantly looking for what is the most I can do to be the image of God. This proverb teaches us the wisdom of acknowledging God in all of our ways. When we meditate upon the gospel, the Holy Spirit reminds us of all that Jesus said and did to acknowledge the Father. Think about it for just a moment. What is it like when we trust only in ourselves? When we fear the opinions of other people and when we acknowledge nothing more than our own immediate passions and desires? Let's be honest with ourselves. How is trying to be good enough by ourselves working out for us? Is it giving us peace? Do the, do, do the estimations of other people based on, on flawed values ever affirm us completely or do they leave us with lingering doubts? Do we find fulfillment by acknowledging our desires and passions or do we always find ourselves wanting for more? Aren't there times when we are so busy trying to make ourselves good enough to satisfy ourselves, to enjoy ourselves, that we are sick to death with worry and anxiety and longing. There is another part of our bodies. Actually, it's more than the sum of the parts of our bodies. It is our emotions. And our bodies are not whole until they are refreshed with abiding peace and joy. When we acknowledge God, 
when we acknowledge God, then we begin to live the image of God. Trusting God, fearing God, acknowledging God. When we do those things, we are embracing the true image of God in ourselves. When we trust God, when we fear God, when we acknowledge Him, His image is present in each and every one of us. When we experience that reality, we experience freedom from those persons that keep us from experiencing peace and joy. Then, and only then, will we know healing for our flesh and refreshment for our body. Let us pray. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Fill us with the divine virtues of faith, hope, and love that will allow us to practice holy trust, holy fear, and to acknowledge you in all of our ways and to help us walk in the way of holiness. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.